Okie dokie, folks. Welcome to the Roots Report podcast, presented by Motif Magazine and sponsored by The Parlor, Arwen Entertainment, The Trinity Brewhouse Beer Garden, Graysale Brewing of Rhode Island, and SC Microphones. I am your host, John Fusick. Today, we have actor and comedian T.J. Miller. Miller is known for his stand-up comedy, as well as his roles in TV and film, such as Deadpool, She's Out of My League, How to Train Your Dragon, Silicon Valley, and so much more. He will be performing at the Comedy Connection in East Providence on Wednesday, May 18th and Thursday, May 19th. Joe! John. John! That's it. I said yo. Oh. I said, yo. I thought you said Joe. <laughs> I said Joe, what's up? How yo, are you? Joe, what up? What up? What if we you? Okay, well, good. How are well, you? Hello. Hi, how are you? I don't know why it went to uh, voicemail. That's frustrating. But I promise next time I greet you, I'll say hello instead of yo. Hello. Just woke up. So you're the first person that I've spoken with today. I want you to know that. So well, be ready for a slightly scratchy voice. That's okay. It's Mine hasn't worked up yet either because I've just woke up when I texted you so and you're going on the road where are you headed to new hampshire i have a gig in new hampshire oh fine that's right you're a musician yes what uh what instrument do you play i didn't hear that in the bobby collins or I, read that in the bobby collins interview i do uh i'm an uh i play guitar i'm a singer songwriter oh wow that's so cool nice to be back out and doing gigs huh? yeah it is it is especially since i just had covid too so oh no when did you have it uh i had it uh, about a week ago so i'm just just getting just getting back into it again after having to cancel a bunch of stuff boy well that's the world we live in yeah i had it i had it in january but i haven't had it since we just got our boosters yesterday my wife and i and she got really sick from her first boost but mine was my second boost that's been it's it's all it's whole own thing did you get very sick no i was fine actually i just got a little bit of a sore arm so well good well, good think, good good i think the younger you were you got sicker i think it was possibly yes i think it's also just completely on your constitution yeah. She's a much more fragile individual type of thing. She seems like a, a very uh, talented person from what I read. Oh, yeah. She's uh, she's the cultured one in the relationship, for sure. She's the one with the talent. You studied Shakespeare in England. I mean, come on. I mean, come on. And now you can see from all of my, my penis jokes that that's, that really <laughs> came through. That's right. I don't even call them dick jokes. I say penis jokes. It's much more hot uh, humor. Yeah, I mean, you have a very philosophical approach to what you do. Indeed. So I have a pretty eclectic background. And I would say, actually, my latest special, well, I filmed two specials, two separate different hour stand-up specials in three weeks. So I think that's a record for sure. <laughs> I don't know if you read, but I am brain damaged. Yeah, I, I, I read that you had brain surgery, and you know it's caused a bit of problems for you. So yeah, well, it's it's done some great things for me too because I'm prone to mania, and uh, that can be very helpful if you, if you apply that to your work ethic let's say but it's it also leads to manic episodes and yeah those can get you in trouble because you sort of don't know what's real and what's not and you think you're being helpful and you end up having a misunderstanding with the federal government and mm. things like that will happen um but overall it's just been something challenging that i've gotten to a great place now within which is 
but now I have a see. I have a whole mental health team because I'm I'm sort of an anomaly in the, an anomaly in the medical community, certainly in the neurological community, because I had this AVM and I didn't die. It's usually found in autopsy, oh. and then it was removed. And then I've sort of continued to be I'm I'm sort of one of the highest functioning in terms of professional level people that's had an AVM in their right frontal lobe. That's been I'm certainly the most famous person that's ever had one of these things happen. And so the neurological community sort of, I have a team at Cedar sinai and now I have some East Coast neuropsychologists and, you know, it's people to try and kind of keep me, as one of my neurologists says, just keep the car on the road instead of veering off the road um, so that I can continue to do what I do because they're also strong believers in my, you mentioned philosophy, in my kind of philosophical approach to the works. It's really, I really believe that the best thing I can do is kind of lift people out of the unhappiness. And honestly, the last five years, the general tragedy that's been sort of permeating our culture and our world and our nation. And, you know, just in general, everybody's having a tough time. This is a really tough thing to do, this, you know, this human life that we all kind of go through and so you know i really spend my life's work is just making people laugh and making people happy right. and i've done that on a very global scale and continue to and so they're really great about trying to let me be creative and but also stay healthy and it has a lot to do with sleep and things that you take for granted that you would think to do oh i don't know? take sleep for granted i have i have huge sleep problems <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I just mean that you probably are like, God, I'm so tired. I can't wait to go to sleep. So those sorts of things don't enter my mind because it's damaged. Mm. So I don't ever feel tired, even when I'm physically exhausted and it's dangerous. Yeah, exactly. It's just little things like that. Like, it's very strange. Like, the idea of, like, planning something ahead. Just that that didn't... And for a long time, I was on a medication. I changed this medication recently to a better medication and changed everything. I was on a medication called Tepra. And the side effects of that were irritability, impulsivity, uh, mood instability, anger, kind of sort of caustic responses. And that was really tough because my neurologist didn't even really ever tell me that because he, because there's no other option. It was sort of this medication or you die yeah. type of thing. They never really and, like to tell you the, the, the side effects. I mean, I've had that instance where I took Ambien when it first came out and oh, yeah. I was doing all kinds of wacky things and I told the doctor yeah. and they didn't believe me. And then like two years later it all comes out that yeah people are doing wacky things on ambient so yeah and some get your television show canceled <laughs> yeah. you get on twitter too late at night it's just terrible but you know that's look ambient is uh i did that for a little while but it just it was too yeah it was the same thing it's like you take it and then you wait it's like blacking out and drunk it's like right. well i don't want to do that right. so why would i want to take a medication then? so yeah this change in medication has really changed my life and that happened really pretty recently i mean it'll be well actually it'll be almost a year almost been a year but it's just completely i just that plus a neuropsychologist i'm really experiencing kind of a new level of clarity and a new type of just a new type of everything so to speak you know that's pretty it's been pretty strange but one of one of those things is kind of keeping all that in check but to prepare for my first special that i shot in april i did 18 shows in 10 days straight so that's almost <laughs> two shows a night for a week and a half and i know you gig so you probably gig twice in a night or 
back-to-back gigs for a certain amount of time but 18 and 10 it's pretty hardcore yeah that's crazy so that's that's a lot yeah but it's so fun it's so fun and my problem is i just don't get tired of that so i just keep going kind of like a machine and so my wife and doctors are like you've got you have to stop you have to make a point where you're going to stop and that's what a lot of people i think sometimes people in the past have thought that i'm sort of a heavy drug and alcohol addict or something but they don't understand that behind everything i do is this kind of energy and you know the the real problem is that it was 17 shows in 10 days and then i sold out two shows on a wednesday and so i added a midnight show without even thinking i was on the phone with the the owner of the club we were talking she's a friend of mine i was like so we're sold out should we add a show and she of course is like yes let's add a midnight show because that's more money for her and more (laughs) you know exposure for the and i told my wife that she goes what what the fuck are you doing what are you talking about why would you do that and i was like well it was already sold out so i can just i'm already at the venue why not just do another show she goes that you're already doing 17 shows in 10 days why what why do you need to do an 18th show and do you understand how exhausted you are i had to get a liquid iv at one point in the because i was so dehydrated (laughs) because of the amount of work that i was doing and i said yeah you know you're right but then i still did the show so it's like i'm still having a problem with that kind of uh, behavior and you know you see that and people would be like that's an addiction and i think you know i can see that perspective for sure you know during that trip i wasn't like you know blackout drunk or doing math or something like that that was not the issue for my wife was like you have to stop doing shows you know but that also was in preparation for it's not like in new york i go home and i can't not do a show or something that was in preparation for the special and so i did that special april 15th and 16th and then may 6th and 7th I did a um, uh, another special called the Philosophy Circuits, and that was in Tampa. The pandemic special, which was the first one, was in Nashville, Tennessee. That uh, that went wonderfully as well. But that was sort of all the material that I had done during the pandemic, like once I went back to touring. And the Philosophy Circuits sort of represents the act that I was doing before the pandemic hit. And then in September, I'm going to do another stand-up special. I think it's going to be called Strip Down which is just a more personal stand-up special. So where and, are all uh, these going to be? Are they going to be on HBO, Netflix, uh, Amazon? You know, they, that sort of, that time is over. A lot of people don't necessarily understand that or know that. And there are people that are still operating in that paradigm. But that time is over that you wait to have Netflix. They don't, they're not producing any new content until 2025 or something. Really? But they are they are acquiring stand-up specials at a rate of about once a month. And then I've already done an HBO special. So I've sort of that notch on the bedpost, which is an incredibly gross. I'm upset that I even used that. <laughs> uh, that, would, that is not a woke uh, <laughs> expression, I don't think. So you go ahead and strike that from the record. <clears throat> I've uh, done that before, too. I, I find it totally no, no, acceptable. Yeah. So No, no, no. I'm just – I'm teasing. I mean, that's <laughs> – that's part of the thing that's so, you know, I, what would the joke be? Oh, I hope I don't get slapped by anybody for that. But I wasn't talking about anybody's wife, so I think I'll be fine. Hopefully they don't have a fake knife that has a gun in it. I mean, what even is that about? So, yeah, so I kind of, you know, what I what you do now is you produce these specials, which is not expensive. I mean, it's to the layman, it's yeah, it's a lot of money, but it's not expensive in terms of production anymore. 
you know, these specials used to cost a hundred and hundred fifty thousand dollars. You know, if you wanted to do a really big time theatrical special, that would cost three hundred and fifty thousand dollars, three hundred thousand dollars. That's just not the case anymore. Now it costs Shane Gillis, a very funny New York comedian, did a, a special for thirty five thousand dollars. So what you do is you make them and then you see you know, Netflix might be able to acquire them, but they lost record subscribers likely to disney plus right right, this last quarter or whatever well disney plus is not buying adult stand-up comedy specials no but (laughs) the place the place really to put them you know really really to put them is on youtube really and to either do that for free which is sort of a baller move because then you're only monetizing it and you're not going to see the money back for a while or to produce it with somebody, which I have a producing partner in this space. He and I made an incredibly funny and bizarre fake hip hop pop kind of you know music a... album yeah, called the extended play yeah and it's a lot of fun it's so ridiculous and so he now is the head of he was the head of comedy central records and now he's the head of comedy at sirius xm radio so i think his production company is paired with me to sort of produce two of these three specials i think the pandemic special i'm going to put on youtube sort of for free just to sort of have something there because i haven't really done a special for a long time it's 2017 um, was the last one yeah so it's like five years now you know let's be honest with ourselves technically that's only three years but that's why the pandemic special i think is important for me to say look i was doing this during this time and because it's burned now like you'll even see the special it's like that shit that that material just isn't it's not it doesn't quite work anymore people are like yeah that that's not relevant anymore you know we're not as scared we're not watching so the pandemic special is kind of it's sort of half like this is the pandemic's going on and half of it is talking about like wasn't that insane remember these crazy crazy things right you know and so i you know i i think i think it's important that there's some stand-up of mine that's new and relevant and I also, I had to shoot it because it can't look amateur. People are used to seeing me, you know, people, they, they know me as a movie star and a television star from Silicon Valley and also, you know, a stand-up comedian. I mean, Two camera shoot and somebody's iPhone or something. Well, that's so a, these are, a lot of stuff is going on like that these days. I mean, people are shooting feature-length things on their iPhone. Absolutely, and you can. But to move a step up from that, which is what, uh, you know, I consider myself, uh, this is a seven-camera shoot with makeup artists, wardrobe, costume, stylist. It was a professional shoot. It was like, and once you see it, it's like, it could be on HBO, you know? HBO would want a bigger, well, maybe, actually, that's not true. I was going to say HBO would want like a bigger theater or something. And we'll definitely show it to HBO. But that's really done. I really do believe that. I've been thinking about this for a while. It took a bit for my agents to sort of catch on. The future is being in the YouTube algorithm because that's where people go to watch things because it's free. Right. right or they have the subscription and if they don't have the subscription then they're fine they'll watch the the ads turns out that the click through on those is not very high most people just watch the ad you know because they're like whatever you know what else am i going to do <laughs> i guess and uh louis ck has such a funny joke in his special sorry he's like i always watch those ads he's like who the fuck are you that you can skip through that somebody spent their time weeks months preparing to have a cheetah run as fast as a bmw and film it on a helicopter he's like fuck you watch 15 seconds of that somebody else's life's work you know 
And so I think there's a, you know, there's kind of a funny thing about that, but it is sort of like, so YouTube is happy with that. And the biggest thing now is getting in the algorithm. Because once you watch a movie that you like, you know, then it shows you another movie option. Right. And I have jokes about that in the philosophy circus about Netflix being sort of a pushy drug dealer. <laughs> You know, that you would never trust a real drug dealer. It's like, oh, you down with the marijuana? Well, you're about to do cocaine in five, four, three. You're like, no, no, no. And then you end up watching the next fucking, you know, you finish Squid Games, now it's on a Breaking Bad. Or so, so, you know, so my kind of feeling is that instead of people sort of going to Netflix for this or that, your stuff's on YouTube, you just, you're also going to get younger people who don't have a subscription to this or, at, or who are at school. Right. And then you clip everything out and you put it on uh, TikTok and Instagram and all that kind of stuff. And that's kind of where comedy is going to exist. It kind of exists now. And the only dudes that are really doing that are all New York guys. They're, they they are the ones with like serious stand-up specials that are on YouTube that have done great, have millions and millions of hits. And they've been on there for a few years, but, you know, it's kind of... It's its own sort of deal. That's what's going on now. Not to talk about social media theory. That's and, okay. Uh, we can talk about whatever you want because that's the beauty of what I do. Is like I just like to see where the conversation goes. And it's good. So yeah. So those are the two. Uh, those specials will be coming out very soon. Well, the one I watched last night, you wound up soaking wet. Yeah, that was fun. I mean, you went through how many ridiculous. bottles of water and Evian spray and <laughs> quite a few. And then the people, quite a few indeed. people in the in the audience got a little wet too. I think they did indeed. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was meticulously ridiculous. And you know, I look back at that, and as people always look back at their stuff, at the time capsule of that time and who I was. But I think it was my HBO special, and I thought it needed to be avant-garde and completely. And it's very, very funny. But I think I. Was, I was taking it a little too seriously, which is the highest crime in comedy. And so I wanted to do this or that. But, but it's very funny. I watched it. I, was, I had a tough time watching it in preparation for these two specials. But then I watched it like a fourth and fifth time. And I said, no, this is good. This is a lot of fun. Because people really like it. I have people come up and compliment me all the time. But I also have people that kind of go, why haven't you ever done a stand-up special? <laughs> And I say, well, I have. It's on HBO. And they go, oh, because they don't have HBO. <laughs> you know I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, it is. There's it, a lot of people that don't have HBO. Right. Max. That's, it's, you know, it's kind of like a club now. I mean, you have to be in a club, certain clubs. And then, you, you know, if you can afford to belong to all these clubs, that's, you know. Then you have access to everything. But everybody belongs <laughs> to the YouTube club. Right. Because that's, that's universally acceptable. So accessible rather accessible yeah and it's acceptable so one of the things that i noticed that you did which i thought was kind of funny is you were the voice of mucinex and i'm closing my next special with a story about that oh really yeah because it's you know when you're the mucinex booger you get a lot of good stories out of it i'm sure you do but yeah so it was um all the voiceover that i've done is really fun i love doing that mucinex booger i thought that was so funny well you've done a lot of cartoons too you did yogi you did uh oh yeah Emo well yogi bear which Emotions. i'm sure you seen but it was a while ago <laughs> i'm actually a live action man but oh really i have i'm the star I... of the emoji movie i'm in big hero six how to train your dragons the tv series how to train your dragon for years gravity falls which people love family guy American Dad, F is for Family. Yeah, I've done quite a bit of uh, animation and voiceover work, and I love that. And my voice actually is so recognizable. Uh, people recognize me when I have a mask on. All they have to do is hear my voice. I mean, everywhere. I'm not joking. A lot of people look at me and they go, God, that guy looks like T.J. Miller. And then, <laughs> and then they go, and then I heard you talk. I knew it was you for sure. <laughs> 
Well, I know you from yeah. your movies, and, and, and Cloverfield kind of, you wound up, you're only in that movie for like a minute, but then your voice is in the movie because you're the guy holding the camera. Yes. So that's kind of almost a voiceover movie for you. Yeah, it is. It is. And you know, that was my first film. My God, I'm in Iowa and you can open the window in the hotel room. Oh, don't jump out the window. They don't want you to do that. Yeah, I'm in second floor. I think it'll be fine. <laughs> but uh, but my God, I haven't seen a hotel room that allows this in years. I'm just going to leave this open for the rest of the trip. There Jesus, this is incredible. It's like a real structure. <laughs> where they trust the humans within it. Well, I'm going to turn off the air conditioning. That was my first film. It was really strange because I remember once I saw that, I go, well, wait, so I'm not on camera at all? And they're like, no, no, you're on camera. Just read the whole script. And I read the whole script. I go, hey, hey. So yeah, I'm not on camera, huh? I go, no, but your presence will really be felt. You'll really be the one that's felt. I go, what? And I go, how am I supposed to be funny on camera if I don't? You never see me. I'm like a physical comedian. And they're like, you'll be fine. You'll, you'll, you'll be the audience's favorite, you know, for, you know the character. I go, well, fuck. So then I really started thinking and, you know, saying, all right, how do I do this with just my voice? And so I think that's why I have had so much work in voiceover. I think Cloverfield was like this trial by fire. That's not even a good analogy. It was just, it was just a crash course in voiceover and right. high pressure because it was J.J. Abrams, my first film. And so I really ended up kind of uh, elevating my abilities with my voice in film. And then from there, I got How to Train Your Dragon, which was DreamWorks, just like She's Out of My League. So that's one of my favorite and, movies that you're in is she on, when you played Stainer. That was a great character. Yeah, that's become a real classic, actually. And I was just... And it's ironic that you were a TSA agent and you had issues with TSA in the past. Yeah, well, I didn't have issues with TSA. I had issues with the federal government misunderstanding. It wasn't wasn't TSA? No, no, no. You know, I got to tell you, what's ironic is my relationship with TSA because of the movie. Uh, They love me. I mean, they're like, TJ, look at Stainer. Come on through. Bring the scissors through. You're fine. Like, check some electronic cigarettes, buddy. You're a hero. You're a mascot. That was a great, that was a great role. I I love that film. It was a great, it it was a great role. But don't feel bad that you mistook that because in our world, it's just, the media is, it's all trash. You just, it's, there's so much coming at you. Right. all the time and most of it is just garbage they somebody my my internet friend he sent me he's like a, my webmaster and uh i know him from working at radio shack in chicago back in the day but he sent me something he said fyi they used your name in this this quote-unquote newspaper just published something about how it was some other guy named ezra miller and he got arrested for something so they just put tj miller for, for something that like happened in Canada and I'm in Iowa. But it's, I've had discussions with Drew Barrymore about that where they'll just, they don't care. They'll say she was spotted drinking beer and shopping. It's like she was at home working on the scene for the next day. Yeah, they it, just don't care. It is hard to, insane. to to get sort information out these days through the internet. Cause... I mean, it's 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 nigh impossible. There's maybe five or six outlets that you can trust. Right. I mean, the rest is like, who even knows? Um, which is sad because then when Trump seizes on, you know, the media and the fake media and stuff, it's really hard to argue with him. Oh, yeah. And I think liberals understand that because if you'll notice, they never come back with it's not all fake. Well, you know, 25 percent of it is real, which is probably a conservative estimate. And, you know, so they just have to go, well, you're, we can point out the stuff that's real about you. So it's, you know, it's created a very difficult situation and it's ruined lives. You know, it's ruined a lot of lives. It's ruined the country, and, basically. 
It's really you're right about that. It's it's kind of ruined the country, and that's going to be a real problem. So, um, so anyway, anyway, on on to more um, less political things because I don't I don't really do any political comedy, and I really try and stay away from the things that nobody's paying me to do. You know, nobody's paying me to you know to talk to them about politics or what my opinion is on this thing or how they should vote or this or that. Um, One of the roles was that I I like that you did, which was only a very small role, but it was kind of it was it was almost the perfect capsule of your of your character in a lot of performances is in seeking friend for the end of the world <laughs> when you did, when you were the, like the tga fridays guy yeah that's the deep cut i like that yeah, yeah the that, that that was a little bit of a capsule of what you're like in a lot of movies and that was it kind of gave a little snippet of how you are which was which was perfect and i really liked that little scene there on the tgi fridays well thank you man yeah i mean i think it's you know that's the fun of this kind of stuff is that you get to i get to come in and sort of pop in a scene ideally and then move on <laughs> well then you've got the, you know you're, you're in those big blockbuster deadpool movies I mean, you can't knock that no of course not I just mean I've been really lucky to sort of, I don't know, I've been really lucky to be able to, I don't know, I've been very, very, very lucky to be able to, you know, do so much on so many different scales. And I also am talking about that in my next special too, that I have these this interesting level of fame, that there are really levels to fame. And I've just been lucky to sort of experience so many different levels of recognition, but also being able to enter projects at very different, in very different capacities, let me put it that way, not levels, but... Well, you're versatile, so that, too. You're versatile. You're, you can you can adapt to different things. I mean, you've done movies, you've done stand-up comedy, you do voiceovers. I'm sure that if somebody stuck a Shakespearean uh, scene in front of you, you could nail it because you've had the training. I don't know about that, but I do. <laughs> I, I, I'd say that's the one that I would not... I, let me put it this way. I wouldn't be inviting people to that performance. That would not be one that I would announce on my Instagram. You know what I mean? There would be no BOGO code that I'd be passing around to my friends for that particular <laughs> endeavor. Be, it could be interesting. But, you never know. But, you know, that's also, I don't really like live theater because if I perform live, I would like to do stand-up because that's, I can do anything in stand-up. So if I want to do a fake, you know, you know, Shakespearean soliloquy and figure out how to make that funny, well, people will say, okay, here in Des Moines, Iowa, if it's funny, they'll be like, okay, so you do some Shakespeare. I, in fact, great thing about stand-up is I could do that tonight, just from this conversation. There you go. I could be like, actually, that's pretty funny, and I could put together and rehearse something, and then maybe I would like forget it halfway through and go into like a Mentos commercial, <laughs> right, or something like that. Because I can remember that commercial better than I can remember. And that's it. So there we go. We have a bit. But unlike any of the other things I do, it is totally acceptable for me to bring that in and do it. If I work on a film or anything else like that, I can't really do that. You know, I have to sort of, I have to read the lines as written. Well, you have a background in psychology and your your mother is a clinical psychologist and you have that in your family and you have this way of, you, you have a way of taking a, a philosophical view of, of life and adding that into your comedy. That is an interesting way of doing it because you get, you get very deep and complicated, but then you just kind of juxtapose it with some very silliness and it kind of like people are, you know, listening to you and they're like, what the hell is he talking about? And then you, you spin it around on its head and, and twist it into something that's funny. Yeah. That's kind of the idea is to, if I'm talking about anything real, then I, I sort of 
want to immediately relieve the tension and you know, release the pressure by doing something more absurdist you know and one thing kate and i were talking about is philosophy circus does that but at some point i think it would be fun to talk about really real shit and then just juggle after <laughs> each thing uh, because the philosophy circus special is a lot of juggling and a lot of circus. I love that, that kind name, of, by the way. It's philo- great, right? Philo- philosophy circus. That's a perfect yeah. name. It was a fa- it was a favorite of one of my one of my agents too, my main agent in CA. And I think you know the pandemic special you'll see is very special um, for a lot of reasons. And I just didn't, you know, I wanted to just name it the pandemic stuff. That's what it was which is the special of the stuff that I was doing during the pandemic. And then, you know, I'm not sure about the next special, but I, I think I'm in a place in my life where I might do three specials a year, you know, or maybe actually let's keep it there. Three, three specials. Well, that's a lot. Did I you mean, hear for, me? Yeah. That's did you a hear lot. me? Did, did you hear me start to be like, you know, three or four specials? Yeah. Maybe, maybe a fifth special. That's the problem. And then that's your wife the will get problem. on your case and you'll have yeah, to, then you'll be, be like, in trouble. What are you doing? But you know what I also did that's going to be out very soon is I did these improvised set lists. What that was, I went to four different clubs, five shows each, and I closed with an improvised set list where audience members gave suggestions for the name of a joke. And then I would improvise that joke just off the top of my head, you know, just absolutely kind of without without ever having seen it before, anything like that. That's So that's really a skill net. set that I have. Yes, exactly. And I don't know if you saw that. I, I did I, I one did. of those 10 years ago or something. It's so funny. But I thought, why don't I just do this and shoot it with three cameras and, and make it look good? And, and that's that and so and so we did that also so i've got you know about 20 of those sets and they're about 15 20 minutes and so those are going to kind of come out and be online also and i'm just sort of you know now if you want to be a stand-up comedian you also have to be like a production designer and a producer and all this stuff so it's tough you know it's not about just doing your sets and then going and doing a tv spot and then going back on the road well i know i've been talking to i've been talking to these other comedians and a lot of them they you know you ask them when they're going to have the next special and they're like i don't know i gotta wait for somebody to ask me and some of them i just said you know i think you have to take it upon yourself to do it now oh yeah absolutely you have to be proactive and, and set up your own stuff and you know you can't you can't wait because i think some people still wait for them to somebody say hey will you have a special for you know and they don't they don't they they have nothing online no social presence and it's kind of hard though because in this in this uh world social presence is everything unfortunately yeah it really is but that's kind of what it is and you're right. I mean, I, I wasn't waiting, but I thought, okay, let's keep building material. And then when this was years and years ago, and then when Netflix is ready to give me another special, because I, I was really aiming for Netflix. So, all right, well, that's where everybody's going to watch stand up. But that kind of ended. You know, that's kind of over. And YouTube is going to be kind of the next place. And, or in my opinion, it already is, but it's definitely going to be seen as the next place. And yeah, you just clip out your stuff and put it on your TikTok. And my TikTok is going to be sort of all stand up comedy. So yeah, now I've gone from performer mode, right? I'm still in Iowa performing. I'm going to Hartford next weekend, which I'm very excited about. I love that club. And I continue my tour. Now I'm, you know, at night I'm doing notes on these, you know, doing notes on these specials and notes on those improvised set lists and, you know, and working basically as an editor. So you're doing these yourself. I mean, so this is all sorted out. You do a lot of your own stuff. Yes, but I'm, uh, when I say, you know, editor, it's, it would be like a lead. I'm just giving notes and then I 
have a team of editors that are doing it. So I'm not actually on the computer. Well, some people that. do. I mean, there are a lot of people these days who do. No, do you know, Louis, Louis C.K. does that. I realized I couldn't believe it one day. I'm, I'm lucky to have sort of interacted with him and we know each other. He's also in New York, obviously, and that's where I live too. But I'll never forget one day I went by his hotel room to grab him because we were headed somewhere else. And I saw on his laptop was the Louis, the television series. And I said, oh, are you doing Louis? Like, are you doing notes on that? And he's like, I'm editing. And I was like, what? And he was like, oh, I edit it. I was like, you direct it and you edit it? And he goes, yeah, yeah. Because he just, he got to a point where he's like, I just can't trust anybody else. I just have to do the whole thing by myself, which is insane. I mean, that's so, I can't do that. I'm not, I'm not going to sit and spend, you know, 15 hours or 50 hours, oh. you know, on a computer editing this stuff because I can have somebody else do it. You just have to get people that you trust and then you give us extensive notes. So I'm doing selects. I'm saying, you know, let's forget this. Let's pull this from this show. Let's, and then I give them those notes and they get it done. Well, that's good because it is a lot of work. I mean, I just know from editing these podcasts and working with music clips and stuff. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Lot I mean, of work. And it's, you have to be technically proficient. And I'm like, borderline i just like can do some stuff but some stuff it's like yeah i can't do that it's just out of my yeah out of my jurisdiction so it's out of your league it is it's It's out out of my league league. so you're gonna be at the comedy connection in rhode island for two nights what do you want to say about the sets you're going to be doing there oh that's gonna be great well this is so fun because now i've retired about two and a half hours of material you know this is all new you're seeing the very beginnings of this next special. And what's hilarious about me is I already have, you know, 20 minutes of the special all put together. And then because I only have that, it's going to be a lot of improvisation. And so you'll see me riffing and doing crowd work and interacting with the crowd and talking about experiences I've had in Hartford and how I did an interview. And uh, John sort of thought I said, Joe, even though I said, Joe, what up? (laughs) And uh, how embarrassing that is, mostly for him, but, you know, how I felt embarrassed for his embarrassment. Just jokes like that, stuff, you know, from, from regular life. But uh, but no, so, you know, it, it's going to be really fresh. And if you see two different shows, then you're going to see two completely different shows. And I say this on stage, I say, you know, what I love is I love doing a show that has a lot of improvisation because uh, no other audience will see that exact show and I will never perform for that exact same audience. So it's just for us, just right there, just that night. And not a lot I of people need more do of that. that. Not a lot of people do that. They're very, and I've seen a lot of comedians that they're very regimented in their jokes and their performance. And I mean, I understand that, you know, to have a tight set is important, but sometimes you've heard the jokes before. Yeah, yeah. And you just, you don't want to come and just present those. Right. And if they're good jokes, people are going to be, sometimes right. when you don't do the jokes, they'll go, hey, why don't you do that joke I saw online? Oh, they're still funny, but sometimes but you, it's fun to hear something that's never been oh, done. Oh, yeah. If you, and, if you riff and you're interacting with people and people love it when they're heckling and I kind of handle the hecklers, aka, you know, I'm going to do a parenthetical here, verbally eviscerate the hecklers, then people love it because they've seen me from Silicon Valley and Deadpool and some of these roles being just a guy who just really somewhat of an insult comic. That's where the comedy comes from. So, you know, it's that's a lot of fun too, but I'm not encouraging people in Rhode Island to heckle me, okay? Otherwise, I'm going to have to go deep well, you did that when thing it comes on the, to the size of your state. On that that special, the the meticulous one where you called the guy's father, called the guy's mother, and told her to fuck off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
that was pretty funny. I mean, you know, and I but I look back at that stuff and I'm like, whoa, I don't know about that. But that's just an older TJ kind of not understanding that that's just funny. It's just silly and it's um you know, and the guy loved it. I mean, he's part of an HBO comedy special and I'm right. sure his mother thinks it's great too. You know, she's not going to say I, years from now, she's like, I can't believe that that happened. How could you give him that phone? After so, he explained it to her, he probably got it. Yeah, right, exactly. Because <laughs> initially she was well, probably okay. like, what the hell was that? Yeah, of course. Because <laughs> you called she, her out of the blue. She, she has a son. I mean, she's had a lot worse experiences than that. <laughs> so that, you know, that was just very funny, all told. And uh, yeah, I just enjoyed, I don't know. I, I just, I, I enjoyed doing that special, but I so enjoyed doing these two specials. I, I think it's important that. that I have two coming out and another one, you know, probably in, uh, I don't know, I'd say November around. No, I, it'll probably come out the first of the year. But, you know, there's going to be a lot of content of, of me, but also more important than that, much more uh, important than that, you know, stand-up specials, full-hour specials. And I think that's, that's kind of what people need to see now to really understand, oh, shit, he's a stand-up comic. You know, he's not just some actor that's doing stand-up. Because I started... Stand-up comedy. Yeah, and an improvise, you know. So that's kind of what I'm trying to remind people of. And it's exciting that people coming out to see me in rhode island um and also it's a great club it's really really fun mm, yeah it's a nationally known club yeah so um, so yeah i'm hoping people come out and see me and, and enjoy listening to me kind of ramble with a, a presumptuous reporter you know who just thought <laughs> that i you know who's you know doesn't know that are people are like joe what's up man let's let's get this thing done bro let's get on these podcasts I'm never gonna live it down, joe you got to know y'all i'm yeah. never gonna live it down so does your wife ever come out on the road with you yeah she used to open for me oh for she a little while. doing comedy too no so she's you know she's an installation artist but she right, also does I, performance so, art right and, and she's I, a singer so she would sing a couple of big band tunes which was really fun then she would she would do a final song that was just this really weird funny and it got a lot of laughs but it was um you ever heard that song you know don't you hurt or what is it don't you love me baby yeah yeah um uh, the beginning of that is uh you were working as a waitress in a cocktail bar when i met you um so she would sing the entire song but only with those lyrics she so the chorus was, you, you were working. You were working as a waitress in a cocktail bar. Yeah, you. <laughs> you were working. And, uh, and it's like, you, you, you were working as a waitress in a cocktail bar. And so people would kind of laugh when they realized it. Then they would sort of wait. And then they realized it's really going on a long time. So they'd laugh again. And then she'd keep going. And then they would realize that it's a loop. So she could do it for another five, ten minutes. 15 minutes and so they would laugh again at that idea and then she would kind of push it push it push it and then and you know just end with you know kind of collapsing the ground it's sort of about feminism and kind of trying to break out but uh, you know ultimately being just you know subjected to either working as a waitress in a cocktail bar or a man having rescued her from that life and you know I, I don't, i'm not sure everybody took that away from it but it was very funny. And so that was great. You know, we did a bus tour. We did a couple, you know, she toured with me for quite a while. So that was really, really fun. And she came with me to Nashville to do the uh, the Nashville special. So that was really, really great. She didn't perform, but she sort of came with me and helped me with everything. She's a pretty sharp cookie. The tents having her? Oh, no, no, no. She's cool. 
I I know her. Yeah, you guys go college, way back. So, so yeah. Yeah, so we're homies. So it's not it's not. I've had girlfriends like that before, but she's never like, why aren't you paying attention to me more? Or why aren't you listening to me? Or this is boring. We have to see it. Why don't you take me out to lunch? There just isn't any of that. We just have a shorthand. So we have a great time. You know, on Friday night we had gotten the special, and I had two shows Saturday, and so we just went back. I had you know gotten us a penthouse, and we just went back and just partied. And we're like, this is so great. Like it's so fun and. We really needed this. And, you know, so it's just, you know, we've been through it all together. So there's not a lot of fighting. And think about, you know, think about the stuff that we've been through. Just all of the kind of media hate and this kind of stalker from college who sort of used this very important Me Too yeah, movement to I, try and just I saw that. take I us down. And, I didn't even and, want to bring it yeah. up. <laughs> no, and you know what? It's not worth bringing up and I won't spend time on it because that's kind of what she wants. But this is a mentally ill individual. She was the same thing, kind of borderline personality stuff uh, in college. And so when, you know, this movement happened, which again, it's done a lot of good, we just sort of knew this is when she'll, because she believes that Kate stole her life and, you know, she should have been, just all, it's, it's just, it's all exists in mental illness and in that world. And so I kind of, it sucks because you want to hate a person that lies about you did this, but because I have had brain damage and I understand sort of mental health issues all i can do is hope that she gets better right, right. Yeah, that's all that's all you can ever do for someone who is sick but yeah that think about that i mean us going through that a second time and continuing to have that's really really it's a nightmare it's yeah, a living no, breathing nightmare no, it doesn't and seem so off. yeah <laughs> but and and so so has you know so have these things where the media sort of paints things certain ways and lies and we've had you know people try and embezzle money from us and do hit pieces because they got paid to do it it's just it's it's really really dark some of the the aspects of fame but god damn am I lucky that I have this woman in my life who goes back so far much earlier than I was ever famous or ever knew that I would have a career in Hollywood or she was going to open mics with me when I was just bombing. And she's probably, we were joking, we joke about it. She's probably seen over a thousand of my shows, thousand. And, um, and so that's great. So she won't be in Rhode Island because right now she's pretty deep in her world. But, you know, it's, it's always been fun to travel with her and do stuff with her. But my favorite thing is traveling with her and going, she's very famous in the South of France. And so going to her festival there, you know, and being with her for five weeks and being Kate Gorney's husband. You know, because she's Kate Miller in her day to day, but as an artist, she's known as Kate Gorney. And so that's fun. That's fun when people kind of, I, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I just got, you know, I, I just finished a film with Drew Barrymore. And they're like, okay, great. Just could you move aside? I'm trying to talk to Kate. So, <laughs> Kate, where did the inspiration for this come from? Because I know you do a lot of this based on your own poetry. It's that's really fun for me because I'm the focus of attention so much that it's really nice to be able to say, okay, cool. I, I can focus my attention on my wife and her world. So that's been really lovely too. The pandemic crushed both of us in so many ways professionally. Now, now we're kind of back and doing what we love. And so that's the biggest thing. And I'm about to do what I love right there in the tiny but of huge stature state of Rhode Island. Rhode Island is a cool place if you get to know it. It is, man. It is. I've lived here for 61 years, so I haven't. I've been a lot of places around the world, but I find Rhode Island to be the place that I like to be. It's great. It's home. Yeah, you know? it is. All roads lead. 
to the island. It does. I, I don't want to take up any more of your time. I know you've got a busy, hectic schedule. And, uh, and I, so do you. you got to get on the road. I do. I do get. have to get on the road. But Let's I do appreciate you taking the time. I, I'm I, happy to. And thanks for being, thanks for working with the team because sometimes it's hard to coordinate stuff, but you were very flexible. And yeah, hopefully, are you going to be around for the shows? Or I, are you yeah, I'm, no, I, I, I just looked at my calendar. I, I am free on the Thursday, so I will try to get there on the Thursday. So. Please come and come say hi after I will. the show. I will. I'd like to meet you in person. I will definitely. Uh, I like your I like your email address, very bad porn. <laughs> yeah, it's fun, right? And yeah. that's from something I did that'll come back years from now. But yeah. Pretty funny. Yeah. So fun. Well, thank you. And lest we forget, uh, all G rated material, which I do a lot of G rated things, uh, that is very bad porn. It's kind of the worst porn. <laughs> I figured that would go well with the Yogi Bear stuff, so. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. <laughs> um, all right, well, thank you so much, Joe. And, uh, and, yo, John, 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 I'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks much, and good luck with the shows you're doing until I see you. Thanks. Have a great gig, John. You, you too. I'll, I'll talk, talk to you soon. Thank you very much. Okie dokie. Thanks to TJ Miller for being part of this episode of the Roots Report podcast. TJ will be performing at the Comedy Connection in East Providence on Wednesday, May 18th and Thursday, May 19th. The Roots Report podcast is presented by Motif Magazine and sponsored by The Parlor, Arwen Entertainment, The Trinity Brewhouse Beer Garden, Grace Ale Brewing of Rhode Island, and SE Microphones. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 